Welcome to this Catholic Concern for Animals podcast. This is a reading from Climate Crisis and Sustainable Creaturely Care, Integrated Theology, Governance and Justice, edited by Christina Nellist. Chapter 1. The Animal Interfaiths Alliance's Vision for the Place of Animals in a Sustainable World. Introduction. Dr. Richard D. Ryder, AIA President. The Animal Interfaith Alliance, AIA, was founded in 2014 by its current Chief Executive, Barbara Gardner. Its mission is to create a united voice for animals from all the major faiths in order to bring about a world where animals are treated with respect and compassion. AIA draws upon the combined wisdom of all faiths and promotes social harmony by bringing faith groups together. I feel it is an honour for me, therefore, to have been made the president of AIA, drawing together as it does no less than 17 faith organisations, which agree upon the desirability for a better friendship between human beings and their evolutionary cousins, the other sentient animal species. All religions have at least three functions, to provide an explanation of the universe, a way to change things for the better, and a code of morality. It is the latter that especially concerns us here. Why are such things as friendship, care, compassion, equality, liberty and justice so important? It is surely because they all tend to reduce suffering and promote happiness, not just for human beings, but for all animals. All animals are citizens of their land, and governments should have a duty to care for them, just as they do for humans. What is morally good consists in reducing pains and increasing happiness. In my scheme, the word pain covers everything from physical pains to mental pains, such as fear, boredom and despair. I believe that morality is about helping others to reduce their pains. Helping ourselves is not morality, but merely psychology. We naturally and selfishly look after ourselves, finding for ourselves food, drink and other sources of contentment. But morality is a more noble thing. It is when we apparently step outside our natures to care for others. And that word others should apply to all those who can suffer pain. Science now confirms the obvious. Thousands of species, in addition to the human species, can and do suffer pain, just as human animals do. Prejudice against non-human species is irrational, and such speciesism is no more acceptable than racism or sexism. It is a prejudice based upon morally irrelevant physical differences. The great similitude we share with other animals is our capacity to suffer. X amount of pain in an elephant or a mouse matters equally with X amount of pain felt by an alien from another planet or a human being. Compassion is actually part of our nature. We naturally can feel empathy for the sufferings of others, so we need to encourage our own compassionate faculties. Each suffering individual matters. A hundred sufferers are no more important than one, so adding up pains and pleasures across individuals is meaningless. Our experiences are contained by the boundaries of our consciousness. The remarkable unity of the great religions in our respect and compassion for animals draws us all together in the golden rule. Do only unto others what you would like others to do to you. 
Catholic perspective, Dr Deborah Jones. The Catholic Church looks both to the past and the future. There has been little official teaching about animals until recently, and so previous attitudes have been mixed, from largely ignoring their interests to strongly advocating care and compassion, as in the case of many of the saints, especially St Francis of Assisi. He promoted an understanding of the animal world as a sign of God's creative goodness and of all life, human and animal, as possessing a common origin. We and all other beings are equally created and so are as brothers and sisters. Many saints considered that living in peace with wild animals reflected an anticipation of the peaceable kingdom when the world as God intended will be restored and violence be no more. The current major teaching document, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, declares that all people must respect the particular goodness of every creature and avoid any disordered use of things which would be in contempt of the Creator and would bring disastrous consequences for human beings and their environment. It spells out that because animals are God's creatures and that God cares for them, that by their mere existence they bless him and give him glory. From that it concludes that thus men owe them kindness. This is more than simply an absence of cruelty. Recent popes have addressed the issue of animals in a sustainable world. Pope Francis particularly links the cry of the earth with the cry of the poor as both being questions of justice. He strongly rejects anthropocentrism, in his document Laudato Si, and stresses a sense of deep communion with the rest of nature. In common with his namesake, Pope Francis advocates a real reverence for creation, seeing the place of all in a universal communion, and to human kin kinship with all other creatures. This, he believes, endows us with a sense of belonging and rootedness, and even leads to a joy in the cosmos. The vision here is that the natural material world, this gift of God to all, human and non-human, can, through our attitude of respect for all forms of creation, reverence and awe in their beauty, and acceptance of the power of nature, lead us to join all creatures in praising God. By being made in God's image, human beings should reflect God's image of love and compassion to all his creatures. While much of this is to be translated into concrete and everyday actions by the worldwide Catholic community, by having these ideals written in authoritative documents, there is hope that the tide of animal cruelty, usually expressed by indifference to their suffering or by culpable ignorance, may wane and that animals may be seen as possessing inalienable rights. A Cardinal Archbishop, John Heenan, in 1970, wrote that all animals have rights because they are God's creatures, and that God has the right to have all his creatures treated with respect. Anglican Perspective Reverend Professor Father Martin Hennig The Anglican Communion, which only achieved its classical form in the 17th century with the publication of the authorised King James translation of the Bible, in 1611, and the Book of Common Prayer of 1662, bases its authority on scripture, tradition and reason, thereby 
it absorbs the Hebraic Jewish claim on the wholeness of a creation belonging to God, exemplified, for example, in the first chapter of Genesis, Psalms 104 and 148, and in the Song of the Three Hebrews, the Benedicti. The alternative second canticle in morning prayer. It absorbs the understanding common of Orthodox and Catholic theology, that the whole of creation will be perfected and redeemed through the death and resurrection of Christ, as proclaimed in the epistles and in the book of Revelation. Finally, the expansion of scientific knowledge through the Enlightenment and an increasing sensitivity to the suffering of other beings, human and non-human, and to the beauty and fragility of landscape is increasingly evident in British literature and art. Although this was by no means confined to Anglicans, such sentiments coalesced around those belonging to the National Church, including its ministers. For example, the Yorkshire clergyman Lawrence Stern, 1713-1768, whose uncle Toby in Tristram Shandy, in one instance, liberates a fly which had been tormenting him at dinner with the words, Go, poor devil, get thee gone, why should I hurt thee? This world surely is wide enough to hold both thee and me. Another parish priest, Gilbert White, 1720-1793, wrote a classic work, The Natural History and Antiquities of Selborne, published in 1789, which had encouraged appreciation of local landscape and the plants and animals found there ever since. A moving force in the late 18th and early 19th century was the evangelical movement, which fought against slavery in the colonies and other aspects of human exploitation at home, and was fully alive to animal suffering, as can be seen in the work of the poet and hymnodist William Cowper, 1731-1800, to for example in his Epitaph on a Hare, 1782. The Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals was founded in 1824 by an Anglican clergyman, the Reverend Arthur Broom, together with Louis Gompertz, who was Jewish and a radical opponent of hunting and other forms of exploitation, a reminder that the roots of concern for creation in the Abrahamic tradition are shared with Judaism. Other often local societies founded in the 19th and early 20th century similarly concern themselves with the understanding and protection of plants, animals and the wider landscape. Secularisation in society has meant that until the late 20th century, the specifically Anglican contribution to the amelioration of the growing problems of environmental degradation and animal abuse was less apparent. A key figure in this revival was the Reverend Professor Andrew Lindsay, former chaplain to Essex University, whose many books include After Noah, written with Rabbi Den Cohen Sherbrooke, 1997, Animal Theology, 1994, and Why Animal Suffering Matters, 2009. He was instrumental in the founding of the Anglican Society for the Welfare of Animals, which flourishes to this day and provides a vision of how we should relate to our fellow creatures. The wider Anglican Church in recent years has become increasingly concerned with climate change, though this has too often been rather over-centred on merely effects on human beings rather than the integrity of creation as a whole. Although there has been a move to manage churchyards more environmentally, on a global scale, however, 
a firmer lead has been given by Pope Francis with his great encyclical, Laudato Si, and by the ecumenical patriarch, Bartholomew, than by the Anglican leadership in general. Conclusion Barbara Gardner, BAFCA I wish to sincerely thank all the wonderful contributors to the previous sections of this chapter on climate crisis and creation care. Their wisdom is profound and we are truly honoured to benefit from it. Three things stand out from all these contributions. Firstly, all the faiths are founded on a deep relationship with the environment, which respects the creation and recognises their interrelationship and interconnectedness with all things. Secondly, there is little difference between the faiths in regard to their view of this interconnectedness with creation. They all want the same thing, a positive relationship with the natural world. Thirdly, our concern for the environment cannot be separated from our concern for the compassionate treatment of our fellow sentient beings. An environmentalist who considers animal welfare to be a separate issue from the environment is not a true environmentalist. Compassion forms the basis of all the world's spiritual traditions. They all share the golden rule which says, treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself. Those others include all the sentient beings that we have the privilege of sharing the creation with, not just those of our own species and a few companion species. The Animal Interfaith Alliance, AIA, has a vision of what a sustainable world would look like and the place of animals in it. In that world, all faiths would recognise how much they have in common, particularly their interconnectedness with the environment and all the other species on the planet. They would work together to achieve and maintain that sustainable world, respecting the planet humans would treasure and not plunder its resources, or damage it through pollution. They would take enough for their needs and not for their greed, as Gandhi suggested. Happiness and fulfilment would be found in working with nature and not against it. We would never again exploit our fellow creatures and subject them to mass suffering, as we have done in factory farms and other activities where we steal their freedom from them and cause them misery and pain. We would leave them alone and allow them to be free, living life as nature intended for them, but also showing them compassion and offering assistance where it was needed and where we could. It would be a peaceable kingdom where a respectful vegan lifestyle would be adopted. It sounds idealistic, but the alternative is surely Armageddon. AIA's strategy to achieve this vision is to bring the face together to work collaboratively to share the message of our interconnectedness and the golden rule and to provide animal welfare education. AIA also advocates for animals and campaigns directly against acts of cruelty and will continue to do so until that cruelty ends. Reference in the reading was made to Lawrence Stern, The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, 1760, Book 2, Chapter 12. That was our first reading from Climate Crisis and Sustainable Creaturely Care, Integrated Theology, Governance and Justice, edited by Christina Nellist. We would like to thank the publishers, Cambridge Scholars Publishing, for allowing us to undertake these readings and to put them on our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this reading and the other readings 
that we will have on our podcast. If you wish to support Catholic Concern for Animals or know more about our work, please visit our website www.catholic-animals.com. Thank you very much.